we're in this series called Thrive. If you have your Bibles or electronic devices, you can turn to Philippians, Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to be in Philippians for, for, for quite a while. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. And we're going to go through 20, verse 26. And we're looking at this issue of thrive. In other words, we're looking at this issue of how can we thrive in all situations? How can we thrive in life in all situations and all circumstances? Because what I find is most people don't enjoy life, they endure life. If you're not careful, you'll survive life for so long and you'll be in survival mode, one problem after a pro- another problem, to where you'll believe, even as a believer, that survival is like good as it gets. That's just what we're expected to do. We just, we just got to gut through this. We just got to get through this. But the Bible teaches that it's possible in all circumstances, in all situations to thrive. Now, listen, I, I, I don't know if you're like me, uh, but, uh, but sometimes I am totally shocked and maybe even disappointed with myself that I can lose my joy so easily, right? And in other words, today we're going to talk about a joy that thrives, a joy that thrives through everything, situations, circumstances. But if you're like me, there's those, those times that I just, I just lose my joy. I mean, at one moment I could be thriving and things can be going my way, and then something happens, and it can be, it can be insignificant. And then I just, I just lose my joy, and the, and, and the day is bad and all those other things. You see, this happened to me about six months ago. Uh, I like a clean car, and so I was going through a, a car wash, the last car wash I've ever used, and so I'm going through a car wash, and so the, it starts making some weird noises when I'm like going through it, and I said, that doesn't sound right, and so I'm pulling away, and I hear a dragging sound, and I said, that can't be right, and so what happened was, is in the car wash, uh, it, actually, it actually ripped a lot of my molding, my fender molding, it just ripped it off, and it's like dragging, yeah, and so I'm... I, I mean, I lost my joy. Like, bam! Everything else was going good in the day. And I'm like, you know, and I, I lose my, and I'm angry, you know, and I'm like, nobody should pull away from a car wash with their car duct taped together, you know? I mean, I mean, I mean, you just don't expect that, right? And so, I, you know what, I'm angry. And really and truly in the whole scheme of things in life, that's pretty insignificant. And so I'm pulling away thinking, Charlie, how superficial are you? It, uh, it can be fixed. I mean, it could be reapplied. It could be, you know, and it, it didn't take long and got it done. And so, I mean, I'm thinking, how superficial are you? I mean, you can lose your joy over some insignificant things. I mean, there's some people going through a lot worse than that. I mean, th- there's those times that my day off comes and, and, and I want to play golf. And so I, I go outside and say, I think I'm playing golf. And, and then all of a sudden, you know what? The wind gets like really strong. And I'm like, seriously, God? Seriously? For seven days, I've been pushing back the flames of hell faithfully. <laughs> and the wind has been like not blowing. And I get a day off. And I know, I know you can steal the winds, and I know you can steal the storm. Seriously, are you messing with me? I mean, and I can be so angry and so frustrated. Listen, what I'm learning is this. A lot of us, we lose our joy over some very insignificant things in life. And a lot of us, if you're not careful, you don't enjoy life. fact is you endure it. And you endure the people around you, and you endure the circumstances and situations in your life. And Paul begins teaching us in this passage, it's so important for I'm just telling you, this is as important for me as it is for you. To understand this joy that just thrives in all things. Because, listen, when I talk to people, and, and sometimes I'm the same way, right? And people say, you know what? Well, I'll have joy and my joy will thrive when I get a perfect life and I get rid of all my problems, you know, and, and the circumstances are right. Listen, that's never going to happen, right? We don't live in a perfect world. 
and we're surrounded by imperfect people. Oh, and guess what? We don't like to talk about it, but we're imperfect too. And that makes for just chaos. That makes for difficulty. And so Paul learned how to thrive in all situations. And, and Paul did that by some priorities. And we've talked about this. Listen, your problems do not affect you near as much as how you define life. And so Paul defined life, and he said, for me to live is Christ. In other words, he, de- he, 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 determined, he determined what life was for him. He determined his definition of life. See, whatever you put in that blank, for me to live is will determine how you look at life, will determine whether you have a joy that thrives. For me to live as marriage, for me to live as people, for me to live as relationships, for me to live as popularity, for me to live as success, for me to live as advancement, for me to live as hobbies, for me to, whatever, for me to live as a clean car. Okay? What happens when the car is not clean? What happens when the marriage is going through a difficult season? What happens, what, what happens when you're not getting advancement? What happens when, when you're not getting to do some hobbies? What happens? See, then, and that's when your joy goes. See, for you, it's whatever you put in that blank. And so Paul came to the place. He says, you know what? In my blank, it's going to be Christ because Christ is consistent. Christ cannot be taken away from me. That's something the world cannot take away. So a little bit of background about Philippians again and a little bit deeper. See, the last four years of Paul's life, when he writes Philippians, the last four years have been horrible. Four years total in two different prisons. For two years, he was in a prison in Caesarea. And uh, it was a trumped-up charge. I mean, he shouldn't have been in prison. He's in jail. He's in prison. And then finally, <coughs> finally he gets sent to, to Rome to go before Nero. And you may think that's good news, but for a Christian, that's like bad news. Because Nero hated Christians. Nero persecuted Christians brutally. The things Nero did to Christians was unthinkable. So they ship, uh, they ship Paul to Rome. Uh, he's on a ship. Uh, they hit a storm. They're shipwrecked. They go to an island. He gets bitten by like a poisonous snake. And then because of the weather, they had to winter in this, on this desert island. That was difficult. He finally gets to Rome. They put him in prison. They put him in jail. He's waiting trial. He's waiting to be executed. They have a guard that is chained to him 24 hours a day. Every four hours, he gets a new guard. And so, and yet Paul says, in spite of all this, I rejoice. Yes, I say again, verse 18, he said, yes, again, I will continue to rejoice. In other words, all of a sudden, Paul says, I thrive in all situations. I don't know if you're like me. I need to know how to do that. And I'm tired of losing my joy over insignificant stuff. I'm tired of living my, losing my joy over trivial stuff. And so I want to know, what is Paul's secret? What is Paul's secret so that we can live with joy through all situations? I'm not going to read Philippians 1, 12 through 26 in its entirety just to, before we look at it. I'm just going to give you, we're going to walk through this together. I'm going to give you the principles and we're going to walk through these verses together. The, the secrets to thrive or the secrets to thrive with joy are just the, the essentials for joyful living that is not dependent upon anything other than Christ. The first one is this. If you're going to thrive, if your joy is going to thrive through every situation, the first one is this. I need a healthy attitude. I have to have a healthy attitude. I mean, listen, if we're, if we're tracking, if we're, all, if we're honest, and, and that's a big value for me, that's a big value here at Fellowship of the Rockies, transparency and honesty, and uh, we're all in this together, and we're on this journey together. Um, listen, every one of us, if we're all, every one of us brought, every one of us has problems, right? Uh, every one of us has problems. And many of us brought our problems with us in here today, in this morning. 
And listen, I, I just want to tell you, your problems are near, near as important as how you are looking at your problems. That you have a balanced attitude. The way that we look, our attitude, our perspective of our problems are more important than the problems ourselves because it's the perspective, what Paul says, is the attitude that makes a difference. Verse 12, he sees writing, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has, has really served to advance the gospel. I mean, it's unbelievable that Paul could say that in difficult circumstances. In other words, because of how Paul defined life, for me to live as Christ, Christ is my priority. Paul was able to see the, the best and worst situations in the very worst situations the best and difficult situations. Paul could also say, you know what, in the midst of these circumstances, God is, God is working. God's doing something in my life and God is doing something in, in their life. And in other words, for Paul, he said like non-believers are being witnessed to. They're being chained to me and, and I have them for like four hours a day and like they're being a, a witness to. And, and like Paul's in prison and he's, he's relating to God. He's enjoying the presence of God. He's praying. He's worshiping. Uh, he's spreading the message of Christ. And and he's writing letters to the church. Can you imagine what would happen if Paul was a person that his joy didn't thrive? He, he would waste. And he'd waste those two years. See, let, let, let me tell you something. Here, here, here's things about difficulty. What difficulty does for you and what difficulty does for me. Difficulty or difficult circumstances in your life reveals how you define life. It reveals what's important to you. That's why it was just so convicting to me to pull away from a car wash and I'd, I'd lost my joy. See, that's the problem with difficulty and problems is it, it reveals to you sometimes how superficial you are. Sometimes it's all, all about you. It's all about me. And for, he goes on, verse 13. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. That's important. That was like the elite guard. The imperial guard were, were the personal bodyguards of Nero and his family. So important. And to, and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And so just real quickly, Paul... Paul believed God had called him to Rome uh, to reach the Roman Empire, to, 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 to Christianize it, and which he did. But Paul's, Paul's way, what Paul wanted to do is go there and plant some churches and like do a big crusade. Uh, God, had, God had a different plan. So God says, no, the way we're going to do that, I'm going to put you in prison. And so you've got to understand a little bit about their prisons. I've told you their prisons weren't like our prisons. No soft bed, no three meals a day, no health care, no education, none of that stuff, no cable TV. And so Paul's in prison, and every four hours you're chained to the imperial guard and elite guard. Now you need to know a little bit of, about these guys that Paul was, 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 was chained to. They were an elite guard. They were Nero's personal bodyguards for his family. Um, also, these were the highest paid people in Rome. This was, this was like an elite position to have. This was a very important position to have. And so they worked in this position for 12 years, and they would retire. And then once they retired, they became the leaders of Rome. So God puts Paul in Rome, chained to future leaders, and every four hours he got he got a he got a new new person. So if you just if you just do the math, so for two years, every four hours he gets a new guard, that means Paul witnessed to four thousand three hundred and eighty people. And these guards, after being witnessed to and converted to Christianity, they would go on and, and, and they would they would be around Nero and they'd be around his family. And so here's the interesting thing. Extra-biblical uh, literature, legend tells us, in fact, as we know this from history, we know that, that Nero's family, his wife, his mother, uh, his kids, his extended family, uh, we know they became Christians. Fact is, we know after Paul, 
Rome became Christian. I mean, he changed the whole Roman Empire. And so have you ever thought of this? Paul being chained to the guards, he being chained to the guards, he wins them to Christ. They go on to be leaders, and they and they they affect others or they reach others. So that's what I call a chain reaction. Okay, so so the Saturday night group they they have a better sense of humor than you guys. I'm just telling. You. Just because you didn't laugh does not mean that wasn't funny. I, I worked hard on that. A chain reaction, get it? They're chained to Paul. And... Yeah, that makes a joke even funnier when you have to explain it. So verse 14. <laughs> okay, so verse 14. And most of, most of the brothers, having to become confident, having, be, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so, so this is it. My attitude, my perspective towards my problems changes everything. Paul was encouraged because Paul realized that, you know what, courage is contagious. And because of me and because of what I'm doing, we're reaching people. People are, have more courage to speak the word. Uh, verse 19, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. What a powerful statement. God's going to deliver me. And God's going to deliver me. I mean, I, mean, I mean, he had this perspective of what is happening to me will advance the gospel. What is happening to me is advancing the gospel. People are meeting Christ. People are being witnessed to. Then I'm telling you, your problems, I've watched so many people in difficult situations and they walk away bitter and, and angry and they have unforgiveness and it, it just paralyzes them. Not Paul. Paul understood what it meant to thrive in all situations. Verse, Romans 8.28, he wrote this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. That means, well, let's go. For those who are called according to his purpose. And so Paul understood this. Listen, God has a purpose behind every one of your problems. God, Listen, God has a purpose behind every one of your problems. So Charlie, well, what was the purpose behind the car wash? To help you understand how superficial you are to help you understand maybe some of your priorities, to help you understand the difference between the trivial and the significant. Paul saw that the purpose of his problems that he was walking through was really not for himself, but was for others. The second thing that we need in life, that if we're gonna, if we're gonna have a joy that thrives, if we're gonna have some healthy essentials of joyful living, the second thing is this, is that I, I need balanced priorities. I not only need a healthy attitude, but I have to come to a place where, I, where, I have, where my priorities are right there. My priorities are, are balanced. In other words, I need to have, I need to have priorities in my life that, that are balanced so when problems come, listen, I can know the difference between the significant and the trivial. Listen, it's your choice. I'm telling you, it is your choice. You can live your life based upon problems or priorities. It's your choice. Ever been around that person, even a believer? Ever been around that, that Christian uh, that, that all they're doing is going from one problem to the next? Their whole life is nothing but problems. Listen, you can either live your life based upon problems or, or, or priorities. It's your choice. Either you will Listen, either you will decide what is important, either you'll decide your priorities in life, or others will decide it for you. And if you do not determine, here's the most convicting thing about that. If you do not determine your priorities in life, you will not be able to tell what's significant and what's trivial. Everything will be significant. Every, everything in your life is going to be major. I mean, 
there's no in between verse 12 to verse 15 he goes on some indeed some indeed is preach christ from envy and rivalry but others from goodwill the latter do it out of love knowing that i'm put here for the defense of the gospel the former proclaim christ out of selfish ambition and not sincerely but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment so let me tell you what's happening so paul's in jail Paul's in jail because of his testimony. Paul's in jail because of his defense of the gospel. And there's a group of people that are kicking him wise down. There's a group of people that are saying the reason he's in jail is because he wasn't preaching the gospel. The reason he's in jail, God's, God's judging him. The reason he's in jail is because of sin. In other words, he has a group of people that are kicking him wise down. You ever have someone kick you while you're down? I mean, you, you, you ever go through a difficulty? You ever go through difficult circumstances and, and you got those, those, those people? They haven't ever talked to you. They haven't ever asked your side. They're believing gossip. They're believing rumors. They're, they're siding with friends. Have you ever had anyone kicking when you're down? Here's Paul's, here's Paul's response because I'm, te- I'm telling you. If you say for me to live as people, for me to live as circumstances, then I'm telling you, if you live like that, just let someone criticize you. They will steal your joy every time, and it will seem like the end of the world. And Paul understood that, and Paul got that. In verse, 19, verse 18, he goes, what then? In, in the Greek, that really means, so what? So what? I mean, they're not even in my priority. They're not even at the top of the list. So what? Only that in every way, whether in pre- pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Paul understood priorities. Paul understood priorities in life. He understood what was important in life. And listen, Paul wasn't Paul wasn't going to give any human or any circumstance the the right. Listen, the right to like steal his joy. Man, so many times we give people so much power over us that if they're disappointed with us, if they're upset with us, it's like they can steal our joy. Paul came to the place and says, you know what? In my blank, it's not circumstance or critics. Listen, if circumstance and people don't give you joy, then circumstance and people cannot take your joy. And that's why Paul said, so what? I mean, so what? To where we come to... Have you noticed in relationships, sometimes we argue over stuff that doesn't even matter. You get in a disagreement, you get in a fight, and you think, ah, it was just so, when you look, that's so trivial. To where we ask ourselves, is it, is it really worth losing our joy over? I mean, seriously, the molding can be put back on the car. That's why Proverbs says 3.6, Proverbs 3.6, it says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. In other words, that's just an Old Testament way of saying he will bless you. He will take care of you. In other words, we have to come to the place. Just a lesson for me. We've got to focus on what really counts. We've got to understand the significance from the trivial. i got molding hanging off my car. Instead of feeling blessed that I just have a car and I have good transportation and all that other stuff, I'm upset. The third thing is this, is if we're going to have joyful living, if we're, going to, if we're going to have a joy that thrives in life, then the third thing is this, I need renewable energy. I, I need to come to the place where I have renewable energy. In other words, I need a power source outside of myself. I need to have strength to make it, strength to keep going because, you know what, well, this, this isn't news to you, right? 
life will wear you out. Fact is, life itself can suck life out of you. Life can drain you, and you can lose your energy, and you can lose power. And I mean, there may be some of you here this morning, and you're saying, you know what, I, I'm just ready to throw in the towel. I mean, in life, I've done the best I could, but it, you know what, obviously it's not good enough. And so I'm like sick and tired. I'm ready to throw. Listen, if that's you this morning, you need a fresh power supply. You need renewable energy that is outside of yourself. So verse 18, and we'll read on to verse 20. Paul says, well, so what? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. I'm going to thrive, and I'm going to have a joy that thrives regardless of what happens. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not, not be at all ashamed, but that f with full courage... Now is always Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And so Paul says there's two things that give me strength. The prayer of people and God's spirit. Two things give me strength. The prayers of people are God's God's strength or in God's power in my life. You know what? Let me let me just tell you that's why life that's why Christian community is so important. That's why life groups are so important. Because that's where prayers of people happen. Uh, that's where people encourage you. That's where you build those relationships. Where That's where people pray and encourage you and support you. Those two things happen in life groups. And so Paul uses the word hope. And Paul says, you know what? You cannot live without hope, right? Listen, you cannot live without hope, and you cannot cope without, cope, uh, without hope in life. And it's really interesting. Cornell University years back did a, did a study, of, of, and, and they studied 25 of uh, POWs from World War II, and, uh, and 25,000 POWs from World War II. And so what they found is this, is that men can, can withstand unbelievable stress and pressure, difficult living conditions as long as they have hope. And once they, li they have hope, they're done. Listen, you, you know how, and I've told you this before, you know how you lose hope in life? You know how you lose hope in a situation when you believe that tomorrow's not going to be any better today? The next month's not going to be any better today. The next year's going to be any better today. And that's when you lose hope. And Paul is saying that, that you need this hope. That's why Paul said in Philippians 4.13, he says that I, I, can, I can do all things through Christ who, who strengthens me. Christ is the one that strengthens me. Because for Paul, for me to live is Christ. That Christ is, Christ is my priority. And as a result of that, everything is subservient to that. The fourth and the last key. The fourth and last essentials of joyful living or this, this joy that thrives through all situations is this. I need a purpose. I need a purpose. I, don't only, I not only need a healthy attitude or balanced priorities or renewable energy, but you know what? I, I, need a, I need a purpose, and I need a purpose bigger than myself. Again, Paul is teaching in this passage that it's, it's not the circumstances in life. It's not whether things go well for you or bad for you. It's the way you and I define life. The way you determine life it will determine, or whether you define life, will determine where you stand or fall. So what is your definition of life? I mean, what, 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 what is your blank for me to live is? What, what are you living for? What is the most important thing for you? What, what is the thing in your life that make your life worth it, regardless if anything else happens? What is life and how you answer that is critical. And Paul says, I, I have a purpose. And I have a purpose. To, and he knew what it was. Listen, let me tell you something. In the culture that we live in, 
Man, we just live in a codependent world, right? We live around a lot of codependent people. Codependent people are this. They would say, my joy is dependent upon other people, situations, circumstances, and life. But not Paul. Paul's mission statement was Philippians 1.21, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And Paul said this, my relationship with Christ is the most important thing. Fact is, it's, it's, my relationship with Christ is the most important thing. It's over my family. It's over my relationships. It's over my situations. I mean, you know this, right? You, you ever been around someone that's, that's, that, that wants to make it to the, the U.S. Olympics? And so they have this goal. They want to make the U.S. Olympics. Well, all of a sudden, that goal makes everything else in their life subservient to that goal. And so they, they may put off marriage, they may put off relationships, they may put off career, they may put off education, they start training and all these other things because all of a sudden that's the priority in their life. And the same is true with Paul. And what Paul is saying, for me to live is Christ. I mean, it's amazing to me how quickly sometimes we can lose our joy. And so Paul's in prison, and there would be times that Paul would live without friends. There would be times that people would betray him. Well, let's read it. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. At my first event, defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. See, we think if friends turn their back on us or if we don't have any friends, it's like the end of the world. It is if they're in your blank. Not Paul. Paul understood that. And so in, in, what a mature statement. Watch this. May it not be charged against them. If they're in your blank, you want to judge them. If they're in your blank, you want to attack them. If, you, if they're in your blank, you want to blame them for all of your problems. But, verse 17, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear. So I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. Paul knew that the only person you could trust ultimately was the Lord. Listen, for, I, I'm all about friends. Friends, friends are one thing. But you've got to understand this. Write this. Friends are fragile. And that's why we have Christ at the center of our life. In other words, Paul would say, I hold all human relationships loosely, understanding they're fragile, but I hold Christ tightly. Listen, the only way I know to illustrate this uh, is, is from this illustration. And, and, I, and I, don't, I don't even know what this means, but it seems I'm listening to more country and western music than I've ever listened to. Now listen, I'm a, I'm a classic rock guy. I, yes, I listen to worship and and all about that, but but I but I'm a classic rock guy, and so I I don't know what's happened in my life, but but I seem like I'm listening to more country and western music than I've ever listened before, and so I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means I'm old or I'm just depressed. Uh, I don't know because I mean I mean you know what you get when you play a country and western song backwards. I mean you get your dog back, you get your trailer back, you get your truck back, you get your wife back. So I don't know what this means. But I'm listening to some country and western music and Leanne Rimes is singing this song about a romantic interest that just kind of illustrates codependent lives. And so, so here are some of her lyrics. I'm, I'm just going to quote. Watch this. This is what Leanne Rimes sings. How do I get through one night without you? If I had to live life without you, what kind of life would it be? I need you in my arms, need to hold you. You're my world, my heart, my soul. If you ever leave, you would take everything, you would take away everything good in my life. Without you, there would be no sun in the sky, no love in my life, no one left for me. 
Seriously, 5.5 billion people in the world and that's it? <laughs> I would be lost without you if you ever left. You would take away everything real in my life. And here's the chorus. How do I live without you? I want to know. <laughs> How do I breathe without you? Now she has an asthmatic problem. <laughs> How would I ever survive? You know what I think? I think that should be the codependent song of the year. You know what, you know what Paul would tell Leanne, Leanne Rhymes? Leanne, get a grip and quit singing that junk. I mean, just get a grip. Don't put people at the center of your lives. Keep Christ there. Listen, people move away. People flake out. People make mistakes. People gossip. People judge. People, people aren't consistent. Man, I, <laughs> I hear some people sometimes say, I cannot believe they let me down. I know, they're human, they're going to let you down, right? They shouldn't be at the center of your life. Listen, I let myself down. You let yourself down. Don't let it shock you when someone lets you down. They're human. Listen, there's hu we should know this. There's human limitations to relationships. Listen, this, this works. I mean, it's huge. We're going to look at this in the series. This works in marriage as well. You can only stay happily married if the reason you're married is stronger than the stress that you're currently going through. You have to have a reason bigger than yourself. We're married to glorify and to honor God and because of His kingdom. Listen, my relationship, your relationship with Christ has to be your highest priority. That's why we life journal. That's why we, that's why we, that's, that's why we do all this. And listen, let me, let me tell you something, just a word to life group leaders just real quickly and those of you that are in life groups. What I'm about ready to tell you is not in your life group leader notes, but I do hope you discuss this in your life groups this next week. This last week I, I was traveling, and, and I'm, I'm th I had a lot of time in airports and hotels and everything else, and so it's really bothering me about, about this issue because Paul would say for me to live is Christ. And so I asked myself the question, what would Jesus say? How would Jesus answer, answer that question? I mean, Jesus, part of the Trinity part of the Godhead. Uh, Jesus was fully God and, and he, he's always been God and he leaves heaven. He comes to earth, takes on earthly form. Um, and so when, when Jesus had an earthly ministry, how would Jesus, if you ask Jesus on the street, Jesus, how would you feel in that statement? For me to live is. And so that, that carried me on a journey. There's so much scripture about this and I'm telling you the answer shocked me. The answer to this question actually rocked my, my world. And so so I'll read a verse in just a second. It comes out of John 17, 19. And listen, there's so much scripture on this. Uh, one day I'll, I'll, I'll do an entire teaching on this. But uh, Jesus is in front of his disciples and he's praying and the disciples can hear him. Here's what he prays, John 17, 19. And so Jesus prays, and for, for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. So what does that mean? Jesus says, for me to live is them. For me to live is you. I, I, I consecrate myself. In other words, I set myself apart just to see them, just to see you sanctified, holy, forgiven, in a relationship with God. 
Jesus Christ would say everything about me, my life, the reason I left, the reason I left heaven, uh, the reason I, I became a human, took on human form, the reason I died, the reason I went to the cross. Cross is subservient to one goal. For your sanctification, for your perfection, for your joy, for your forgiveness. Jesus Christ would say, and I'm telling you, this, this, just, this literally has wiped me out. Jesus Christ would say, if, if you just would understand what I've done for you, if you look at me dying for you, if you look at me going to the cross for you, and for me to live is you. I mean, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, eternal God says, for me to live is, I mean, I'm telling you, for me to live is you. And my life is to see you sanctified. And everything I do is subservient to that goal. You know, you know, what, you know what our response should be? That should radically change how we live our lives. That should radically change everything about us. And you look at Jesus and you're able to say, Jesus, my friend, my brother, my savior, my shepherd, my king, my prince, if it is for you to live for me, then it is for me to live for you. Fact is, it becomes natural for me to live as Christ. It is not career advancement, it is not popularity, it is not good times, it is not family, it is not hobbies, it is not freedom, it is not independence, it is not money, it is not church, it is not causes, it is not recreation, it is not friends, it is not fame, it is not the approval of others. The only answer, Jesus, if for you to live as me so that I will be sanctified and holy and forgiven, then it becomes very, very natural for me to say, for me to live is Christ and even to die is gain. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me just ask you with your heads bowed and eyes closed, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you as a result of that message? What is God saying to you as a result of His word? Man, do you need to come to the place where you accept Him and ask Him to come into your life just for the forgiveness of your sins to where maybe for the first time you realize that Christ, that Christ went to the cross with you in mind so that you'd be sanctified and holy and you'd accept to where you ask Him to come into your life and change your life. Let me tell you something. The Bible knows nothing of someone that professes to know Christ, but it doesn't change their life. It doesn't even change their priorities. It doesn't even change. It's just something they did. It's just something they did. It was just kind of external. The fact is, what you see in Scripture is something totally different. The people are actually changed because they get it, they understand. Maybe you're a believer. Where are your priorities? Are you just enduring? Are you just surviving or are you thriving? Are you learning to put priorities properly in your life? Maybe you're here this morning and say, you know what, I, I just need someone to pray for me. I'm going through a, a season of my life. I, I just need someone to pray for me. I, maybe it's like Paul said, I, that you would say, I, I just need, I need renewable energy. And Paul says the way that you get that is through God and through the prayer of other people. And that's why we pray for one another at the end of a service. So you don't need to be embarrassed if you need prayer. Paul need prayer. Paul asked for prayer. I need prayer. You, every one of us needs prayer. But if God is leading you 
to receive prayer this morning for encouragement, comfort, and support, we'd like to pray for you. In fact, this would be an honor. So in just a few minutes after I pray, if you need prayer in any area of your life, we want to pray for you. So after I pray, we're going to stand together. And when we stand together, I'm just going to invite you that as we stand together, that if you need prayer, that you'd simply make your way down to the, down to the front. And that there are people be that there are people down here that will pray for you. That will people walk with you as well. You, you're not going to come alone. This is a safe place. So if you need prayer after I pray, we stand. You come. You come. This is your moment. You come. Father, we thank you for today. Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. And Father, I thank you for this church. And so, Father, I thank you that with your spirit and with the prayers of people, we can have renewable energy. And we can be refreshed and we find comfort, encouragement, and support. Father, may people find that today. We look forward to see what you're going to do for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.